Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 2, Episode 12. I'm Laura. I'm Elisa. And I'm Matt. No Andrew this week. He is currently in the middle of a multi-day desert orgy with the E Street Band. Can you guys believe it? Yes. Um, <laughs> is that a serious question? <laughs> well, I hear that he's going to need major rectal reconstructive surgery by the time it's all over. He's currently sharing this as part of his Snapchat story, and the latest snap he sent was simply captioned, quote, It hurts so good. Oh, gross. Mm-hmm. Get a room. <laughs> well, we've got a really fun show lined up for you this week. Stand-up comedian Liz McGee will be joining us later in the show to answer some of your questions and to play a little no context with us. But before we dive in, we do have a couple of quick announcements. Our movie commentary for Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, will be released on our Patreon on April 11th. All patrons will have access to the commentary. So if you want to hear us make fun of a bunch of hairy white dudes and Legolas going on an extended camping trip through New Zealand over a ring, this is for you. Also, (laughs) speaking of the Patreon, our next milestone goal will be a permanent change to our episodes of After Dark. Once we hit $3,500 a month, we'll be recording one episode of After Dark live on Google Hangouts each and every month. So if you're a patron, this is a really good chance to see what we all look like while recording. I'll just go ahead and warn you that aside from Matt, it's not pretty. You can sign up at the 2 5 or $10 a month support levels to gain access to our movie commentary and all of our other bonus content over at patreon.com forward slash millennial. If you join Patreon in the next month, you will get a live front row seat of Andrew's anal reconstructive <laughs> surgery. Limited time offer. Why would someone want to see that? Limited time offer, $5 patrons only. Thank you. All right. (laughs) That's all for the announcements that we've got this week. So guess what, guys? What? What is it? It's time for Quick Fire News. (laughs) Quick Fire News. All right. I got that timer ready. All right. So uh, this past Thursday, uh, Radovan Karadzic, I think I'm saying that right? Uh, who has been nicknamed the Butcher of Bosnia, was sentenced to 40 years in prison after being found guilty of genocide and other crimes against humanity over atrocities that the Bosnian Serb forces committed during the Bosnian War from 1992 to 1995. A special UN court in the Netherlands found the 70-year-old guilty over uh, of genocide over his responsibility for the Srebrenican massacre in which more than 7,000 Bosnian men and boys were executed. So I actually have zero knowledge of the Bosnian wars during the 90s. Did you girls ever follow it while it was happening or uh, throughout school? Well, I was uh, like eight, so probably not. Well, yeah, but this is YouTube. <laughs> like, I, like, I, like, what I was watching around I was eight years old was probably different from what you two were watching. So, well, I mean, that was also the point when Bill Clinton was getting blowjobs. So, I mean, we were way more interested in that. But yeah, <laughs> but no, I mean, I actually know a couple of people who came over from Bosnia after all of that. And while I'm not super familiar with with maybe the politics behind it, I am really familiar with kind of the the personal stories, the things that, the hardships that people endured. Um, I actually used to work with somebody whose father and brother, I believe, were actually slaughtered by people, like, in their barn. Wow. Like, somebody came and killed half her family, and then they Jesus. came here after it was over. Um, so we we have actually a really large bosnian community where i live and i know that a lot of people have really similar stories and that's why they mm-hmm. left because it was just it was fucking horrific what's really fucked up about this is while i was reading uh the the judge's ruling uh when he when he was sentenced when he was found guilty was that this guy uh karajic i believe his name was he is the he was the only guy really with the power to intervene and protect the uh, those who were being killed, but what he actually did was he ordered them to be transferred 
and killed, fully knowing they would be murdered. So what you're saying is, 40 years, not enough. He's basically. 70, though. He's 70 years old. <laughs> Whatever. It's still not enough. a life sentence. So, moving on then, um, we all remember Chuck Grassley, Uncle Chuck. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Uncle Chuck. Uncle Chuck doesn't love you. Uncle oh, Chuck. Oh, no. Uncle Chuck's a little not bit again. Nasty. No. So for those who don't recall, Chuck Grassley is a senior senator from Iowa, also happens to be the head of the, or the chair rather, of the very powerful Judiciary Committee in the U.S. Senate. He is holding 16 question and answer events throughout the state of Iowa over the next two weeks. However, he's keeping the logistics of those meetings secret from the public. His spokesperson came out this week and said that, quote, political operatives from Washington, D.C. are trying to hijack Senator Grassley's meetings with Iowans. And it's more proof that they care more about politics than giving people a voice. So in other words, Chuck Grassley is afraid of protesters and has decided to keep his meetings secret so that he doesn't have to deal with protesters. Um, why would there be protesters? Because many people, including many Iowans, are upset that Grassley and other Republicans are refusing to hold Senate hearings for President Obama's Supreme Court nominee, Merrick Garland. So they want him to take action. He's not. And he just goes full on like Gestapo on their ass. I don't know. What is he what is he trying to get out of all this? I mean, really? abs- nothing. I think. I think. That, I think he's trying he's... to get nothing out of this. He doesn't want headlines. He doesn't want the added attention. I think this is about preserving his image. And it's weird too because if you look at the sixteen events he's holding, the vast majority of them are in districts where he won by more than eighty percent. So he's pretty much only going to talk to Iowans who already agree with him. So he's basic. Okay. So okay. <laughs> So basically, he's going to places where he already has fans, so he can just have people fawn over him and ask him questions that he wants to answer, but he doesn't want the public to know what's going on. Correct. Well, and I, you know, like Elisa said, he's also facing some scrutiny because he's he's forming up the part of the resistance to uh, President Obama's Supreme Court nominees. So he doesn't want anybody getting in there and asking him why he's being an obstructionist asshole. And this is disappointing because Uncle Chuck is one of those guys who's really cool on a personal level. Like, he's a very personable guy. He's a very compassionate guy. He gives a ton to charity. He's just fall- He's just towing the party line on the Supreme Court nominee nonsense. And I'm disappointed in you, Chuck. You're better than this. It really seems like he's he's just having really bad days at work and wants to go have ice cream with his friends. He has a case of the Mondays. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, that's one way of looking at it, I guess. Um, so our next story is about our wonderful favorite a hacktivist group, Anonymous, who last week threatened to unveil details surrounding Ted Cruz's alleged sex scandals if he doesn't drop out of the presidential race. In their latest video, Anonymous asks Senator Cruz if the name Candy Wrapper means anything to him and implies that some of his illicit activities have taken place with prostitutes. No kidding, with a name like Candy Wrapper. I can't imagine what else they would have been. Rumors have been swirling that Trump and or Rubio allies are behind pushing this story to the forefront. And naturally, a lot of our shit rag gossip magazines in the U.S. have now named and pictured five women believed to be sexually tied to Senator Cruz. As expected, Ted Cruz responded to the claims made by the National Enquirer in particular, calling them, quote, garbage. But then he said something else. Matt, can you roll that tape? And what is striking is Donald's henchman, Roger Stone, had for months been foreshadowing that this attack was coming. It's not surprising that Donald Trump's tweet occurs the day before the attack comes out. And I would note that Mr. Stone is a man who has 50 years of dirty tricks behind him. He's a man for whom a term was coined for copulating with a rodent. 
Well, let me be clear. Donald Trump may be a rat, but I have no desire to copulate with him. And this garbage does what? not belong in politics. You can stop it, Matt. Okay. All right. That. What? What? Yeah. So we were going to talk about whether or not we cared about Cruz letting his Viper out to play, but let's talk about this instead. He called someone a rat fucker, implied that he himself fucks rats, but that he would not fuck Donald Trump. That is a rodent I would not want to copulate with. Is there a rodent anywhere with whom you would copulate? I think this is just a testament to how fucking ridiculous this election season is getting. Yeah, this is really bad. Is it? Yeah, this this president, especially the the GOPs, the candidates are really obsessing over each other's dicks. I know. Like they all are, they they really have like like small penis syndrome. Can I just say that twelve years ago, some twelve years ago, Howard Dean loses out on the election <laughs> for fucking yeah. He can't he can't show enthusiasm for his own campaign without being written off as a candidate. I mean, skip ahead, you know, a few years, and you can talk about copulating with rats, and you're a okay. In fact, you're going to be a front runner. Like, what the fuck has happened? But I well, really do wonder what's going to happen when and if Anonymous leaks all of this information they claim to have. Oh, I man. See. I don't know. Like, I would love for there to be a couple, like, men in that mix, too. I would. Love- I mean, who do you think Candy Rapper is? I, you know, can- like, Candy, like, really? I-, I would love if Anonymous just didn't do this, though. I-, I-, I really despise Ted Cruz on a very visceral level, but I still am not a fan of Anonymous. And, you know, I like who they target, but I don't like what they do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean, it's really not, it's really not the, can- yeah, the candidates. It's the people who are voting for them. Well, uh, Ted Cruz is a pretty awful human being. But yeah, he's, anyway. Yeah. He's oh, t- he deserves he, it for sure. Yeah, he's a shit sandwich. All right. So last week, if you guys remember, we discussed that the Georgia Assembly passed a religious bill uh, that would have given faith-based organizations in Georgia the option to deny services and jobs to gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgendered people. Well, this Monday, Georgia governor and total peach, if you know what I mean, Nathan Deal announced that he will veto the religious freedom measure it's it's pretty much dead for as oh, of yes. right now. Right. If it's vetoed, then yes. Yes. So Governor Deal was under a lot of intense pressure, like we said last week, um, from from Hollywood businesses, the NFL. So he stated in his decision that this was quote about the character of our state and the character of our people. Georgia is a welcoming state. It is full of loving, kind, and generous people, and I intend to do my part to keep it that way. For that reason, I will veto House Bill 757. So is this really that surprising? Because there was really no positive outlook for allowing this this bill to be passed. Right. Well, I mean, just speaking as a Georgian myself, um, Governor Deal has been critical of this um, of this bill in the past. So it's not surprising to me that he came out and vetoed it. Um, however, I'm not sure that I would attribute that to his humanity or for his um, sense of equality, because this is the man who said that Georgia would not accept Syrian refugees, for instance. This is the man who turned down Medicaid expansion and left millions of his citizens falling through the, the Medicaid crack that we have with mm-hmm. with Obamacare, where you're you're too poor to qualify for subsidies to help you pay for your insurance. So your insurance is actually more expensive than that of people who make more money than you. So I think this definitely hit him in his wallet. And I think that's probably why this happened more than anything. Yeah, he's because he's a Republican, too. Yeah, he's... I mean, I don't think that necessarily has anything to do with it, but... Just looking at Governor Deal's experience, this is not a move that surprises me. And I think that it was a move made more out of pragmatism for his business interests than for mm-hmm. people's rights. There is, there has been a movement towards uh, getting it o- overridden. Right. So they currently have um, one of our senators um, is actually trying to, to get, get the veto overwritten. 
right uh, overridden rather and so mike crane is his name mike crane yeah you guys should actually all tweet mike crane i believe his handle is at sen mike crane um and just tell him to take a nap because he's definitely throwing a toddler tantrum and we don't need that shit no get that shit out of there Mm -mm. (laughs) get that shit out all right and we have another millennial update Um, So on Monday, the Justice Department announced that the FBI managed to unlock the San Bernardino shooter's phone without requiring Apple to compromise the security of its mobile operating system, iOS. Word on the street has it that Apple will go to court to force the FBI to reveal the vulnerability it found. And thus far, the FBI is not disclosing what it found or whether it even found anything worthwhile in the phone. So, guys, first of all, do we think they actually found anything of substance if they had, wouldn't they have alluded to that in order to justify all the media attention this case has gotten? Yeah, it's been, what, four days? Yeah. Or Yeah. It's been a few days. I th- I okay, I, yeah, because I, I think they announced it on Monday, but for some reason I think that they actually got through with it on, like, Friday. Right, they got through with it earlier, but the Justice Department issued a statement on Monday. I don't, I don't know. I feel... I mean, I'm de- I'm definitely glad that there's a sort of de facto success story for Apple in this case. But I don't necessarily know, and I don't think we're going to know whether they got anything of value from it. Sometimes it's impossible to know what is of value for a very, mm-hmm. very long time. Anybody in the security field would tell you that it sometimes takes months or years or decades to be able to reflect back and go, oh, that's where that piece of the puzzle came from. Mm-hmm. So that I'm all for this. I'm glad. And I do think it's suspicious out of nowhere. Oh, look, we figured it out. <laughs> like, of course you did, jackass. Yeah. The thing is, ultimately, I think we've talked about this before, they weren't able to set a legal precedent for forcing Apple to build a backdoor into their own software. Right. But now the issue that we're running into, of course, is that they discovered some kind of vulnerability. And the question mm-hmm. is, are they going to tell the public? Are they going to tell Apple so that Apple can make it better? Um, right. And there are opinions on both sides of this. There are people saying, well, Apple didn't help the FBI, so why should the FBI help Apple? I don't think it's about I don't think it's about that. That would be a really childish way of, of looking at it in my opinion. I don't know I do not think Apple ever was or is beholden to give them anything. They are private no. com- they are Apple's a private company. They have zero obligation in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They they coordinated with everything that they could feasibly do. So I am 100% behind Apple on on that. That being said, the exact argument can be used in reverse. This is the government. They are under no obligation to share anything with Apple, a private company. This is a security issue. I do not think they need to or even necessarily should tell Apple. I think this is their prerogative. I don't know. I think you should apply the argument consistently to both sides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. That's fair. And that's how we do quickfire news. So changing pace real quick, I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to Matt now to introduce today's guest. All right. So we're going to begin our interview with Liz McGee. Uh, she's going to be the first interview that we're going to be having with our new style of interviews. She is a 20-something stand-up comedian living in New York City. And before we bring her on, we're going to be playing just a couple clips of, of some of her stand-up. I also got some batteries. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know what the week's gonna look like. <laughs> so I got both. <laughs> I also got some UTI medication. <laughs> I did. Uh, I get UTIs all the time. <laughs> and like they tell you to prevent UTIs, you're supposed to pee after sex. Like helps prevent infection. But it's like my bathroom's on the other side of my apartment. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna leave a complete stranger alone in my room. <laughs> like that would be irresponsible. I'm gonna act like pro. <laughs> I wanna keep it. <laughs> Alright, so we have joining us now uh, Liz McGee. Hey Liz. Hi, hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm, good. Uh, I'm UTI free for the moment. 
Perfect. That's good to hear. That's a great, <laughs> great start. Do you want to tell us a little bit, how, like, how you got into uh, the stand-up f- comedy field? Oh, sure. I was an acting major and in college. I went to Marymount Manhattan College. It's like, it's like Diet NYU. It's like NYU Light. Um, mm. It's a small liberal arts college, not quite as expensive, but pretty expensive. Um, you know, a great deal of debt. So acting major, switched over to writing. And then I was doing sketch comedy in college. I interned at UCB. On the night I interned, it happened to be a big stand-up heavy night. I interned mm-hmm. there on Monday nights. And I was like, oh, stand-up looks fun. And I don't need to coordinate anything with anybody to do it. I can just do it. Um, it's nice because I write a joke and then that night I can perform it and try it. I don't need to schedule a rehearsal. I don't need, like, it's completely independent. Right. Which is isolating at times, you know, because when you fail, it's only you to blame. But when you succeed, it's only you to blame. So it's, it's kind of give and take on that. But I'm more of a writer than performer um, as a preference. And so stand up's just a way to, you know, say jokes into a microphone be like hello i write jokes hi i wrote this joke please hire me to write jokes for you kind of <laughs> actually that that segues into a question i had personally i fucking love stand-up and it's something i've always wanted to try but i identify more as a writer too yes so my question for you is have you ever written a joke that was really solid and you knew it was fucking hilarious but then you had trouble delivering it and it just didn't come out right Absolutely. There's, uh, and a lot of comics struggle with this. There's a lot in this more of a writer boat. Things will go viral on Twitter, you know, like, uh, like so many retweets, but then you try to say it on stage and it just doesn't translate. There's like a different, it's a different audience, like the online audience and the in-person audience, like what Mm -hmm. a person will physically respond to versus what a person will share or, um, or like, if that makes sense. Like, people that come on stage, they'll just, like, read their tweets. Some hit, most don't. When I watch stand-up, it seems like something that I would love to do personally. But the thought of actually going up and doing, like, a stand-up routine scares the fuck out of me. Did you, like, what was it like when you started actually going up in front of a crowd and giving your jokes? Um, it was really scary. I went to an open mic, um, and some of them are pretty grim, but if you go to a warm one, it's, 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 it's nice. Uh, if people are listening, it's just hard to get, to keep people's attention. Everyone's on their phones. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of brutal, but once you get past that, like once you bomb enough times, you can become a little numb to it each and every time you do it. It's just like with anything, the more you do it. Um, it is scary and like you will bomb if you try it. Everyone bombs. Mm-hmm. Even, even if you are, you know, coming to a lot of success, you're still always going to bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, what are like some highlights f- that you can, that you remember such like, what are some of the best and worst times that you can remember doing it? Um, oof, a lot of worst times. I'm trying to think of the best. Um, <laughs> 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 I guess they just, like, sting and stay with you a little bit more. Like, if I have, like, a really good show, I try not to get too hyped about it just to kind of keep myself, like, level. But a highlight, if there's a lot of other comedians at a show and you do well at that show, that's very good. Like, I know in every field you want to impress your peers, but it's especially Mm -hmm. true in comedy because I want them to... You know, if they get a show in a few weeks, I want them to remember, oh, I just saw Liz. She had a really good set. Maybe I'll have her write a packet or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the more peers I impress, the those, you know, the better, the better. Right. Definitely. So that seems like the th- – that seems to be what you're actually trying to f- uh, impress the most is actually the, the people that will, fir- like, f- take you further in the field, like your peers and everything, as opposed to trying to – appeal to the audience yeah because like once you can do the same set in two different places and they can be they can bomb miserably and yes. be actually really successful just it just depends on the crowd that you're around yeah you're not gonna please everyone um as far as a, a low i i did a show in chicago it was packed there were like 
200 people there. And I thought, uh, the email said I was going to do five minutes and it was called the nasty show. I was Mm -hmm. like, great. I definitely have like five minutes of dick jokes. I got this. This is fine. (laughs) (laughs) And then I, and then like right before I go on, I, he told me I had 15 minutes and I'm, and I was very, very new to comedy at the time. And I was like, Oh no, like the rest of my material is like very self-deprecating and like sad girl. I was like, they're not going to like this. And they, and I was right. They did not like it. I, I did well for five minutes and then I just bombed for like 10 minutes, which is twice the length of five minutes. Um, (laughs) so that was brutal that one like really hurt um does like um how long is a typical set though like you say five to 15 minutes um you know it depends new york city you're lucky if you get 10 minutes honestly it's usually about eight minutes um 15 once you put in your time and it's a better spot uh there's (laughs) just so many comedians in new york um in L.A., I think it's about the same. I think a set is probably 8 to 10 minutes because um, you want to kind of pack it out with as many different comedians as you can. And shows right. are usually about 90 minutes. Um, so you usually book like seven comics and then host it yourself kind of thing. Right. So speaking so, of time, um, how much of a set do you think you could comfortably do now? Like how long do you think you could hold the stage? Comfortably? Yeah. Um like very comfortably, fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. I could stretch um, if I did like everything I had. Probably twenty five. Okay. Okay. How long? How, how long? Okay, like the current set that you do now. How long yes. did it really take you to get that much? Like, how long did it take you to get all that? All the jokes that you have for your set. Um, and like it, it's 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 a living, breathing thing. Like it's it's um, even. What you've seen, I'm, you know, I say it probably differently mm-hmm. now because I need to keep it new for me. So I want to keep talk- right. talking about it. Otherwise, it's just going to be kind of a torturous, mundane thing. Um, so, I mean, it can take, it takes like months to kind of chisel away um, at it. Maybe I'll like shelf it for a little bit, bring a joke back if it fits mm-hmm. into something topical or, or what we're or something another comedian brought up. It just depends. That's kind of like why live comedy is so fun is, you know, somebody will say something and then you already have a joke about that same subject, but to the audience, like it kind of looks like you're just thinking of it now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when it's like, no, like I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. <laughs> okay. Well, Liz, we're, we're going to start going into some of the questions that uh, some of our listeners wanted to ask you. Oh great! Um, we're gonna. I want. To, I want to start, guys, with uh, Shannon. Um, Shannon's asked, "Do you really get UTIs all the time?" I do. I mean, yes. I'm very prone to UTIs. <laughs> I, I. I just had a real bad one the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel your pain. Yeah, I'm really prone to them too. So I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I have a, a little bit of a romantic story. My current boyfriend, he's a comedian too, but you know. There was that time before we made it official that we were just doing it, you know. We were just mm-hmm. uh, blanking all the time. And this was during a snowstorm. I woke up at, like, 2 a.m. with a raging UTI, like, raging. Like, I, like, could not get off the toilet. I was just, like, uh. constantly. If you guys don't know the symptoms of a UTI, you just always feel like you have to pee. And when you pee, it's only a little bit, and it feels like you're peeing fire. Um that's what a UTI is. It sounds great. It's a, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's really great. I highly recommend it. Uh, <laughs> but I woke up with a, like a real bad one, and then he walked to a CVS, which is like a 13-minute walk in the snow to get me UTI meds. And when he came back, I had a boyfriend. <laughs> Aww. I <laughs> just warm your heart. So yeah. You, you said you had a romantic story about UTIs, and you actually did. You I actually delivered. did. I delivered. Yeah, that's some boyfriend shit, you know, yeah, going up like, in a snowstorm. That's straight up Disney shit right there, too. <laughs> yeah, Laura yeah. doesn't do that for me. Yeah. <laughs> not, not yet. Maybe one day. Um, <laughs> so kind of related to what you were just talking about, Mike wants to know, how would you describe your experience as a woman in a largely male-dominated field? 
um, especially as a woman who is so open to talking about sex. Mm-hmm. I mean, I read Lean In. It helped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been leaning in all over the place. Um, it is. It, there are a lot of jokes. There's a lot of communities. Um, like, we have a Facebook group for lady comics specifically, just kind of like where we can vent and um, and help each other out because it is – more often than not, you're the only woman on the lineup. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, in, and in an open mic, you're also like one of very few women there. And it's hard to try out your material, especially like a UTI joke or a very female specific joke, because it might not get a big response at an open mic that's full of men. Right. Uh, but you have to remember, like, an audience is going to be pretty 50-50. And that, you know, to not lose confidence in the joke, even if it didn't land at an all-male open mic. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard. Um, but, you know, there are some good guys. As much as, like, you know, there's a lot of sexual harassment and things of that nature, just like in any male-dominated field. Mm-hmm. There's some gems. There's some good guys. Um why do you why do you think that it is such a male dominated field? Like there are some there are some fields, there are some, you know, there are some careers you can kind of tell why it's it it attracts more males and females because of the way that we're raised, for example. Like, okay, of course there's more male race car drivers than females because <laughs> that's just conditioning. But everyone yep. loves comedy. Everybody loves laughing. Why do you think that stand up is so male dominated? Um Oof. it's yeah it's a it's a lot of uh, straight white male um and i think it's it's kind of like they just cater to each other they kind of it's the same with like with um how there isn't a very fair representation in film uh we're also a form of entertainment it's just entertainment in general kind of they it's they just cater to kind of where the money is uh, and I think they're slowly mm-hmm. realizing that that's not necessarily where the money is. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, like with with bridesmaids, everyone's like, "But bridesmaids," and they use that comparison a lot because it made a lot of money, and it was kind of like a surprise. They were like, "Oh, that women go to the movies too." We <laughs> like, laugh. Yeah. What is this? Yeah. Um. It's just like it's just this mold that's been created, and it's been hard to break it. Um, I and it also comes from like I guess like opportunity and um, influence. You know, like there's more and more women in comedy to like look up to and be inspired by. And recently, there's becoming more like people of color that people can see on TV and be inspired by. Um, but I think it's just, we still have, like, a long way to go. Like, yeah. it's, what's annoying to me is if it's an all-female lineup, they have to address it. They're like, it's ladies' night, as opposed to it just being a stand-up show. And the lineup just happens to be all women. Like, why mm-hmm. can't that be what oh, it is? Christ, that would annoy the fuck out of me. Yeah. Ladies' night. <laughs> yeah it's not it's like it's just a stand-up show and it just happens to be all women but they like to like like oh but they have tits the next time the next time that happens i pray that you just pull down your pants and just take a piss on stage just like (laughs) whip out the vagina and just let it rip well it's hard to it's hard to do that because uh when people offer me that yeah it's gonna be like it's gonna be the, there's gonna be blood in the urine when I pee on that stage. Um, even better, yeah. Um, but as a beginning comedian, uh, an amateur, if you will, I'm just happy for the spot. So there have been some shows that have been billed as like ladies' show, and as annoyed as I am, I'm thank you so much for the stage time. Right, <laughs> uh, right. I hear that. So, you know, it's hard. It's hard to like. Um, I can't change it from the inside out until I'm like really on the inside of of you know to like have some some more heat I suppose, and it's not all bad. It's getting better. Like if a show uh, doesn't have a a female even one on the lineup, um, you know a lot of comments will be made. There'll be a lot of sharing around of that. Be like, oh look right. at this bullshit. Um, which 
I'm kind of torn on the internet as a whole. <laughs> just torn because it's nice that we can share that information, uh, but also like we're just constantly sexually harassed online. Um, so it's like mm-hmm. a give a take. It's like it's it gives us a voice, but it also objectifies us. Does it? Does the internet also like n- not not solely on harassing um, women in general, but um, as comedians, like the internet, like there's a lot of people that like voice their concerns about a lot of things, and there's this you know this recent movement about having to be more PC. Mm-hmm. And well, yes, yeah. Because- I, so I actually wanted to. That's that's a good segue for our next question. So a lot of stand up comics like Chris Rock, who who said this most famously, they're not performing on college campuses anymore because the culture has become so PC. We've talked about this before on the show, but, I mean, what are your thoughts on that as a stand-up comic? Do you understand where they're coming from with that? Do you perform on campuses? Um, I mean, it's it's a, there's a, a difference between a joke in poor taste and a good joke about something uh, provocative or edgy. Uh, I mean, a good joke's a good joke. Like, I don't think any subject should be off limits. Um, but people will not laugh just on the subject matter alone. Like, there's some very tight rooms, um, very difficult rooms in Brooklyn especially. And they're just full of, they just don't want to laugh. They just don't want to. Um <laughs> they're joyless. They just, <laughs> their hearts are hollow. The capacity. Yeah, like it's. I don't know. I the. I mean, would you, like, would you get, be more nervous to give a do a run at a like a certain college or campus that is known to be a little bit more like PC oriented, as opposed to just doing it in you know just a typical uh, um, yeah. underground. Yeah. Show. Yeah, there are some colleges um, where they want clean material, and I don't even apply to those because <laughs> um, I I don't want to edit myself so much. Or at you, all. so you get told you get told what kind of like show this will be when when they recruit you. So like like they'd call you saying like I need I need fifteen minutes of clean material. Potentially, yes, yes. What does that like, even uh, mean? Clean material. Clean. Um, no cursing um, or, like, no heavy cursing. No graphic sex um, analogy, I assume. I don't even know what that they're means. Not These are college students. I hope they're having graphic sex. I do, too. Exactly. You're- but, you know, the college board or whatever, if they're pricks, they, um, you know, don't let you say pricks. Um <laughs> 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 Speaking of pricks, how many dick pics have you been sent in your life? I imagine with a lot of male fans that it has to be more than average. Um, I don't I don't get pictures as much as just unsolicited messages. I don't like Facebook Messenger because people treat it as if I gave them my phone number and I didn't. I you know, I didn't even accept your friend request. You're just sending me a message. Um like because, you know, back in the day, even when there were cell phones, there used to have to be an exchange before somebody could just message you. Um, an exchange of, like, here's my number. I would like you to contact me. Uh, but now anyone can just contact anybody. And it's, like, it's brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, like, now they have the, the, the filtered messaging. But I still have to check my unfiltered all the time because... Some people just message me for shows and that I'm not friends with that I right. want to catch. So, well, Liz, we actually have a segment here called "Hidden from the Headlines," where we tell a story or a news item that we just don't think is getting enough coverage. And I chose one tonight that I thought you might have some good insight on. So, there's a gentleman, Anthony Novak, age 27, and he's facing criminal charges in Ohio for creating a parody Facebook account mimicking the Parma County Police Station. The page allegedly contained what Parma County Police considered derogatory and inflammatory information that appeared as though it was coming directly from the real department. The page featured a number of fake news items and made-up crimes and other jokes that mocked the police department, 
And one post, for example, was a phony explanation of how the police goes about selecting new recruits. And for example, it said, quote, this test will consist of 15 multiple choice questions followed by a hearing test. Should you pass, you will be automatically accepted as an officer. (laughs) The page was deactivated. (laughs) The page was deactivated and Parma County Police spokesperson Lieutenant Riley has said that while they acknowledge citizens have the right to freedom of speech, they believe that the page went too far. And in this particular case, quote, we believe the material that Novak posted on the parody account crossed the line from satire to actual risk to public safety. So this is interesting. It's not only is it hidden from the headlines, but it's this weird dichotomy between freedom of speech and, you know, not. That, I have not heard that. That is fascinating. That I, is fascinating. I mean, so he, so he's doing, like, he's his own, like, The Onion. He's yeah, exactly. doing, like, satire. Oh, but isn't there a law that says, like, on, on the site, did it say that this was a parody? Yeah, well, no, no, no. It did not say it was a parody, but neither okay. does, to, to Liz's point, neither does The Onion. It doesn't say in, in giant bold letters, we are a parody news organization. So that's all this guy was doing, and he was arrested, and he's having charges pressed against him. He has a court hearing next Monday. I feel like there was yeah. a similar thing to this, that the that the person that was affected actually won a court case and made a lot of money because of it. I hope uh, this guy wins. I think this is ridiculous. Yeah, how is, is this? Uh, yeah, I, I don't understand how this is a, how this is an actual risk to public safety. Um... If you're a moron, maybe. Like, I, I think, uh, I want to believe that if this was a website, he'd be off the hook. Um, but I kind of understand, um, I, I mean, I don't understand, like, I don't, obviously don't think he should be in trouble, but, uh, I, I guess, I mean, people are idiots. And I guess if you like say you're this person on a, on Facebook, it's a little bit more... But that just makes the joke that much better. <laughs> like, that just means... <laughs> that's just, like... Uh, it's just weird that they, you would get in trouble for that, but, like, any other joke on Facebook's fine. Like, they have these uh, those events that, like... Um, they have, like, an event that you can join that's, like, staying in tonight. And, like, that's using Facebook for joke platform. Like, why can't this guy do the same thing? What kind of an idiot would apply to a police department on Facebook? I mean, well, here's here's the thing is that I could I think, you know, the devil's in the details, like with most stories. Right. So if this guy had been posting shit on there, like if he had literally been been screaming fire in a crowded room, like if he had been saying, you know, there's a fire at such and such address and like pretending to send ambulances there, then I could see how that's crossing the line into risk to public safety. But the examples that the department gave for what he was doing don't seem like a risk at all. I mean, making fun of their recruitment process, that's just making fun of their yeah. recruitment process. Yeah, true. I mean, nobody was in danger here. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's He did absolutely nothing wrong. I mean, cops are killing more people than this guy. Um, oh, my God. I love you. <laughs> so I don't <laughs> know <laughs> what yeah. the problem I mean, Elisa, you and I might be kind of biased, though, because we may or may not have made a few parody accounts on Twitter of real people. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So, I mean, hopefully this guy doesn't get in trouble because I don't want to get in trouble. No, I don't. I think it's I think it's not going to last very long. I think he's going to get off the hook. I hate betting. Better. Well, isn't there a way on Facebook to, like, verify yourself if you're like a celebrity or an institution? Mm-hmm. So if it's not verified, that's your indication that it's not what it is. I wonder if the police department's verified. Yeah. Oh yeah. That. that might be something we have to look into. But mm-hmm. also, like, do they do like do they need to be on Facebook? Why is the why are the why is the police precinct on Facebook? I, I, I don't know. I see a lot of the local ones around me on Facebook, too, and I don't really get it. I'm like, shouldn't you be out doing your job? Like, why I don't know. Facebook? Maybe like, police department's you, looking for new friends. They don't have yeah. many. Yeah, like, who? what poor social media intern has to do the post for the fire department? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> it's our tax what? dollars at work. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, that, no. You know, you know, social media interns unpaid. That's nice. true. <laughs> All right. Well, any last <laughs> thoughts on the hidden from the headline story before we move on to our game? No, uh, not again. girl. I can't wait to share it on my Facebook page and see all the comics get upset. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Well, Liz, one of our favorite games to play on this show is a game called No Context. So what we do is we play short clips from a few songs and we try to connect those clips to something newsworthy that has happened this week. Okay. And sometimes we like to have a theme in mind when we choose our songs. And our theme this week is going to be Andrew, our fourth host, who isn't with us this time. Um, uh-huh. So Matt is going to browse Spotify for Andrew, and he's going to play the first four songs that come up. And okay. we're going to try and connect them to the news some way, wow. somehow. Okay. <laughs> all right. And all right. So are we? am I going to be giving it, assigning it to anybody, or are we just all just going to no, play? No, we're just, just all going to play together. Okay. Hmm. Right now, he's probably slow dancing with a beach blonde tramp, and she's probably getting thirsty. Right now, he's probably buying her some fruity little drink, cause she can't shoot a whiskey. Right now- all right. So that this was... Is- Totally Ted Cruz. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is Ted Cruz's song for Trump, right? Yes. Singing about yeah. Trump. I mean, it makes sense. Beach blonde hair, kind mm-hmm. of. He wants Wait, to populate I can't with believe, him. I can't believe anyone had sex with Ted Cruz. Anybody. Yeah. Some yeah. person, like... Mm. Like five women, apparently. Like, I'm surprised there's even one. It's the same when, like, Stephen Hawking's apparently had an affair with his wife. It's like, how? How did he do that? <laughs> That's just impressive. That, I am impressed by him. I will He's got say. really strong fingers. <laughs> that must be it. Um, All right. <laughs> Here comes the next one. All right. So I put this on shuffle, but I see what's coming up. Let's go, girls. Oh, this is Andrew. <laughs> Come on. I'm going out tonight. I'm feeling all right. I'm going to let it all hang out. Want to make some noise. Really raise my voice. Yeah, I want to scream and shout. Okay. All right. I think I want to say what we're all clearly thinking. This is Uncle Chuck. This is Chuck Grassley's song <laughs> to to his Iowans. This is his theme song. I hope he plays this at his shitty meetings. That nobody's going to be at, apparently. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> My mind went to the transgender movement. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, if you feel like a woman, then be a woman. <laughs> Man. All right. <laughs> Next one. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen. Pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the streets, the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five. Working nine. All okay, right. I, I don't think I can take any more of the country music, Matt. You need to pick something else the next time. No! I said we were going to do country this time. Yeah, but it has to be. It's supposed to be related to Andrew. Andrew. Oh, fuck. Are you serious? Yes. I, I just thought it was anything. <laughs> I missed <laughs> Well, whatever. He He's a little bit country. <laughs> I mean, aren't we all? <laughs> uh. I mean, that's if you guys a tough want. One. No, no, no. That I'm trying to think of something for this song. That's that's a tough one. Um, I would have to say that it has to relate to the FBI trying oh. to get Apple to give them backdoor access to their phones. It's been a really long work day for them for like the last two years, um, and it's over now. 
There you go. I, I, I have no words. That was, that was pretty good. Okay. Now, for the love of all that is holy, give us anything that doesn't have a twang. Okay, fine. Can you just, like, type Andrew into the <laughs> search bar and see what happens? Just yeah. Like the very top fucking thing. I really desperately hope it's gangster rap. Alright, I'm just gonna <laughs> Oh god, it's beautiful. <laughs> well I couldn't, I couldn't understand much of that. Um so I guess that would have to be Donald Trump because I don't understand much of what he says either. Boom. Yeah, pretty much. I was uh, going to say um, the Butcher of Bosnia because I butchered his name so many times. Okay. Oh, I didn't God. understand how to All right. it. All right, Liz, can you boo him off stage? That was bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was never. great. I, would... <laughs> I mean, be honest, you would get booed off stage for that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we all would. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I agree. All right. All right. Well, that about wraps us up for the week. Liz, it was a pleasure having you on. Do you want to plug oh. your social media for people at home real quick? I'd love to do that. Follow me. I, 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 I'm on the Twitter. I'm at Jokes McGee. I, at I love jokes that. I love that. McGee. That's fantastic. I'm very proud of it. Thank you so much. <laughs> and also, if you're interested, we would love to keep you around for our After Dark discussion. Yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah, Liz. We're gonna. Oh yeah, play. we got some stuff. We got, we got some, some shit for you, girl. Stuff. We got so, some shit. This week on After Dark, we're gonna be introducing Liz to our game Devil's Advocate and having a discussion entitled "Being Broke: A Day in the Life of Millennials." And here's a preview oh. of that right now. This is none of your business. I do not think I that. I have a this... question, Candy yes. Rapper. Um, what is his penis like? I imagine that it would be alien-like. It's kind of like if you took a deep fried Twinkie and you put it in a food processor, froze it for two hours, and then put it in with some Cap'n Crunch berries. <laughs> oh, fuck. Mm. So All right, we're cutting it off. Right here. That's it. We're cutting it off. We're talking in top Captain Crunch berries. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Millennial Show. Learn more about us at millennialshow.com and sign up for access to our bonus content over at patreon.com forward slash millennial. I'm Laura. I'm Elisa. And I'm Matt. Thanks again to Liz McGee, and we will see you guys in After Dark and next week for episode 13. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. Bye. You are-